0: San Bunani, for my friends from the Eastern Cape, Moweni. Can someone say more or Moweni to me? I've missed my Eastern Cape guys. I've only been here for a few days, and I'm really longing for home. Um, I love KZN, but it's it's but um, but It's close. Um, it's a real privilege. And just from our eldership team, it was a joy for them to release me to this weekend with the church planters and to be with you. It's an easy yes from them to. ...to send me. It's actually too easy. I get a little bit nervous when they release me so quickly. No, go, Honor. You can have the weekend. Um, Especially that, Claire and I have just come from a a glorious sabbatical for three months. Um, It it was glorious. It was a great break, um, and so we're rearing to go. So please would you turn your Bibles to Galatians 5. Um, Again, thank you to the church and the elders for this incredible um, passage. I am am privileged to preach this. This is one of the, the few passages in Scripture... Where, where Paul, in, you can almost see him losing it and getting angry. He uses some of the strongest language in this passage defending the gospel of Christ. And so this is not normal Paul writing. This is Paul agitated, angry. He is in, in the Eastern Cape, we would, call, we would say he's hacked off or, or something triggered him, the young guys would say. Um, Paul is triggered by something and what's happened is the the in the early church, many of those who came to Christ, who, who, who became Christ followers, came with a Jewish background or were Jews. So, the, so 90, 95% of the early church were Jews that were saved into Christendom or into Christ following, and so they brought with them the Jewish culture. And he's going back to a church in Galatia, and what he's discovering is that these Jews that got saved in, with the gospel returned to some of the old Jewish law, and they were kind of putting some of the rules back into the church. And this is Paul addressing the church over there. So let's read together from verse 1. I could literally preach just on verse 1 this morning, but I'm going to do, try and do just, to justice to all 15. Let's go. For freedom Christ has set us free. Haven't we heard that so often? Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, Paul's like telling them, open your eyes. I, Paul, say to you that if you accept, it, accept circumcision, Christ will have no advantage to you. He's saying, if you add this to your faith... Christ means nothing to you. That's quite a radical statement. There's some more radical stuff coming. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. He's like saying to them, if you're going to start there, just carry on. Why don't you add everything, every rule to to your life? You are severed from Christ. You, You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace, strong language. For through the Spirit, by faith, We ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor circumcision count for anything. None of your legal, religious works count for anything before Jesus. But only faith, working through love, matters to Christ. You are running well. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This, this persuasion is not from Him who calls you. Something else is convincing you here. Something else is grabbing your attention. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I know that some of us bake bread here. Yeah? And we understand that this, if this gets into your system, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mess the whole system up. It's going to mess your whole faith up. I have convinced in the, I am, I have convinced in the Lord that you will take, take no other view and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. What a warning. But if our brothers still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. He's saying to him, the gospel offends the human ego. The gospel will offend the human ego. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Why stop at circumcision? That's quite radical. Kids, you can ask your mom and dad what emasculation is. For you, that's pretty radical. I, I, I actually, when I read this passage, I remember. oh, Paul was pretty angry over here. Um, verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another or by the other. This kind of community that the gospel creates doesn't devour or bite at each other. There's a grace for one another. Beautiful passage, strong passage. Let's pray together and ask that the Holy Spirit would quicken God's word to us. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, the one thing that, Jesus, I love about your word is that you don't hide things, (laughs) You don't hide Paul's disappointment in the church adding law to the gospel again. You, you don't hide the frustration and the, the, the radical almost anger that Paul has that someone would touch the gospel, that someone would want to adjust the gospel and the good news of Christ and what He's done on the cross for us. I pray that our hearts this morning, would you open our hearts, would you open our eyes to this? Would we, would we, would we again freshly be, be quickened and refreshed by the gospel as we look at this in Jesus' name. So, I don't know if any of you remember, the greatest animation ever created is Shrek. Um, it's the only, only animated movie that ever should have had sequels to it. But in the first Shrek, there's a moment, do, do, do you guys know what Shrek is or who Shrek is? The ogre, the green ogre. I'm just very careful of cultural kind of differences. Anyway, we loved it as a family. I can't remember how many times I've watched it with my kids in my family. But there's this moment in Shrek where, where, where Shrek is knocked down or he's, he's taken out and he's lying and Donkey, the, the donkey that speaks, remember the Donkey, says to Shrek, um Shrek, are you with me? He's worried that Shrek is dying. And he what does he say to Shrek? He said, Shrek, if you see the light, stay away from the light. Don't go because that's heaven and you're never coming back from there. There's a point of no return. And Donkey says, Shrek, stay away from the light. Remember that scene? It's my favorite scene. Poor yeah to this church is saying, Church, stay away from the law. You can't get back from this. Stay away from the law. If if Paul had to headlight this thing, and I said to Gareth, I can't start a sermon with the title Stay Away from the Law, but literally that is what the Scripture says. Stay away from anything other than the gospel. Stay away from the rules or man-made laws. And we're going to look at that. Verse 1. And we're going to double click on that. And uh, the irony of this, and how God worked, is my first Sunday back at Everyday People, I preached in Luke, where, where Jesus confronted hypocrisy, and uses the same strong language as Paul writes to Galatians. And the next Sunday, I get to, to preach. God, maybe God saying to me, saying something to me around hypocrisy and the need for us to work and w- live free from those things. Galatians one. We're going to we're going to highlight a few verses in this passage. We're not going to. There, there are some highlights here for us to look at. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Now, if you turn that sentence backwards, you'd go, "What has Christ got? Christ has set us free for something?" And he has set us free from something. Remember Israel when, when when God leads Israel out of Egypt or out of out of slavery. There's a verse that in in, in Exodus that speaks of that God has saved us from slavery for Himself. We're not just saved from something; we actually there's a there's a saving for something. And often when you speak to even Christ followers, you say, "What can you remember what Jesus saved you from? And it's sometimes hard for Christ followers to verbalize and go, I can tell you in a sentence or two what I needed saving from and what Jesus saved me for. And I'm going to contend this morning and hopefully I'm going I'm to help us put some words to our, our stories and go, this is what I, what I needed saving from. And I recognize that afreshly this morning, and this is what Jesus saves me for. And then we're going to look at, lastly, how do we stay free as Christ follows. And we're literally going to, going to expound one verse and add a few details to those verses. Or maybe you're here this morning, and you're saying, um, I still haven't looked, um, or I still haven't found what I'm looking for. It sounds like a U2 song, doesn't it? Um, there's a, maybe you yeah this morning, and you're saying, I'm in church. I'm not sure, I've looked around, I've investigated religion, I've investigated church, but I, I haven't quite found for that thing that's missing in my life, I feel like there's a, I'm, I feel a little bit lost in an area, or I feel a little bit tired and weary by this world, I don't have peace in my heart, and maybe you are this morning saying, I'm hoping this preacher just answers some of those questions that I have about life, the sense of being lost, the sense of being, I don't have an answer for everything in my life, or the a sense of, of emptiness that not even a plus one is going to fulfill in my life. I'm glad we use the same lingo in the Eastern Cape. All your plus ones. Are you allowed to have plus ones that don't belong to this church? I'm just, I'm I'm only teasing. But the early, Robert's going to, Um, the early church, most of these Jews forgot what Jesus saved them from. It's been open, and you have found Christ, and He's found you, It's an incredibly dangerous thing in our lives when we forget what we were saved from. It's an incredibly dangerous thing, and we're going to see why now. And the early Jews forgot what Jesus saved them out of, religious Jewish law, that they were were chasing and pursuing with everything they had. And we start placing our faith again in the very things that Christ saved us from because we forget that we start finding those things attractive again. Martin Luther, one of the favorite things that he ever said is, I, I need to read and preach the gospel to my life every day because I forget the gospel every day. Luther literally lived with this where he's saying, I forget what Jesus saved me out of. And then because I forget that, I start going towards those things again. We use terms in the church sometimes like backsliding or I prefer the, the language of forgetfulness. Um, gospel amnesia. We, it is very easy. Our hearts wander Because we're not not perfect yet. We still have hearts of flesh. We we are still being transformed by the gospel. And so it's very natural that we start yearning for the very things that we we know hurt us or, or enslaved us or caused us a sense of loneliness and brokenness. And if you're there this morning and you're going, oh, that's me honor, I've forgotten the gospel, I'm really praying this morning, if nothing, that I remind you of this glorious gospel, that I remind you freshly this morning of what you were saved out of, of what Jesus is going to save you out of, and what he saves you for, and then hopefully encourage you in how to stand firm on this gospel, and not let anything else take away from this gospel. So let's first go look at some of the things that the gospel sets us free from. The first thing is it sets us free from empty religion. Empty religion. We are not on the outside trying to earn our way towards God and Jesus. We are no longer... Insecure, trying to win God's favor by religious deeds. In this in this case, you could not join the church. They would say, That's great, you believe in Jesus, you trust in the cross, but won't you just go and circumcise yourself just so that you fit in? Or won't you just go wash your hands before every meal in a certain way, wash your hands four times and you'll be you'll be accepted into our family? Or won't you just won't you just wear a hat because then you'll be more accepted into? And Paul saw this in the church, and he recognized that that they were adding this empty religious work to the gospel and it's the very thing that we were set free from i don't know if you come from a religious background but many i come from a a religious background where my my german old granny this high literally used to carry me to sunday school because she believed i had to get to children's church i had to listen to the gospel she loved jesus but there was a you do not miss church on a sunday that's not what we do and she she was german she had her rules and honor. I used to lie in my bed, like with my duvets, pretending that I'm sleeping late. Like hopefully it was too late for children's church. And she would literally pull it off, get me dressed as a youngster, and carry me to the church. That's how determined she was. But this empty religion. From the outside, we try everything to gain our, 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 our favor, to get in. Is your faith? Do you find yourself overwhelmed? Just tired? Worn out, like, I can't do this anymore. Like, how do you do that? How do you get to church every Sunday? How do you get a life group? How do you read your Bible? Is that what's happened in us? Be careful of just empty religion. Paul is warning them, saying, you have added to the gospel. This empty thing where we have a bunch of rules and whoops that you should jump through before you're accepted by Christ. I've been a Christ follower for 30 plus years, 35 years or so. And I don't think there's been many years, months, weeks where I haven't felt, hey, if I could just do this, I'd be more accepted. It's something at our hearts. We, we like adding a bit of religion to our lives because we can tick a box and go, I've done my bit. I've, I've done this, okay, Jesus is going to accept me. I've, I've, I've gone to church, now I can pray, and He's going to answer my prayer. Or I've given some tithe, so, so I'm sure Jesus is going to give me a job. You, you, you see what empty religion does? I do my bit, then God has to come through. It also frees us from hypocrisy. Leading two lives, uh, du, du, duplicit lives, duplicity. We, who I am on a Sunday, who I am on a Monday or Sunday after church is a completely different person. Religion, and, 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 and when we take our eyes of the gospel, we, we become hypocrites. We, we live duplicit lives before people. Hypocrites, faking it. We fake our faith. We pretend we're stronger than we are. When we have young adult conversations, we arrive and we pretend like everything's good. It's like we, we, we're good at impressing people, aren't we? We, we? we like impressing people. We want to impress the right people. And the gospel and Jesus frees us from having to impress people. I don't clean myself out before I come to church. No, that's why I'm coming to church. I need the gospel every Sunday preached to me to free me from hypocrisy. That I can be real, I can be honest before you. It's interesting if you go look at the most devout religions on, this, on the earth. And you go into their computer search engines or their history files. And you see what guys are watching or people are watching. Religion does not free you from sin. It just hides it. It just moves the furniture in your life. And we pretend, we live these lives where we, on a Sunday we look like this, but on a Monday you don't want to come near me. I'm a different person. And we do that because we're insecure. We, we do that because we feel we have to impress someone. And we, are, we all do that, don't we? We all fall into that. Can I just impress you a bit? Let me just show you how spiritual I am. Let me show you just how good I am. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't come to, to save the spiritual and the holy, and the the whole, and the perfect. (laughs) That's not what Jesus and who He came for. That's not who His eyes were on. We pick and choose our laws. It's interesting that people that choose to add religion to the mix, they pick their rules. In this case, they wanted circumcision, but they didn't worry about the other laws. They picked one or two and said, let's do this. And, and it's very easy in, in culture and even in Christian culture that we start picking one or two rules and saying, okay, we don't listen to those radio stations, but we can listen to those things. Or we, we don't drink, but we can swear. Or we, have, you know, have you noticed that in every church, in every culture, there's some acceptable stuff and there's some stuff that we all go, oh, no, that's taboo, we don't go there. Actually, it's just, it's just a bit of hypocrisy. <laughs> if we're going to add rules and Paul says, yeah, if you're going to do one thing, why don't you just do them all? Why don't you all wear, wear hats on a Sunday? Why don't you all wear certain clothing? Why don't we all go to the kitchen and get circumcised? Why don't we, that, that's what Paul is saying to the church. If you're going to go one way, go all the way. Don't just compromise here. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. It's COVID honour. Oh, We're also set free from fear-based behavioral modification. The gospel frees us from fear-based behavioral modification. Um, I better change, and if I don't change my behavior, I'm going to get kicked out. If I don't change now, if I don't, in this context, if I don't get circumcised, I can't be part of the church. My my eternal security is up for grabs because I won't follow the rules that the, the church has made. If you don't give in, if you don't, if you don't give this, you're not going to receive that. If you don't attend this, you won't, you won't be blessed or we, you, you are not saved. If you don't serve, yeah, you're not going to get this. If you don't live missionally, you're not a great follower. You see how we can easily, even the good things in, in the things that the gospel calls us to, the indicatives and the imperatives, as someone mentioned, we, 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 we live and breathe and do out of who we are. We don't do to become something. We don't act a certain way to become something. So we don't dress a different way. We don't talk away, and then we become a Christian. No. We, we dress, we behave, we sing, we love, we are generous because of something that's happened in our hearts. It's an outside in. It's like, that's the way the gospel works in our lives. This, is, this will happen. But when you add religion and rules to your faith, we all end up with fear-based behavioral modification. I better do this because if I don't, I don't fit in here. And if I don't fit in here, then do I really fit in with God? Will God then accept me? I want to say to you, if you knew and you don't even you haven't even crossed the line of faith, or you're just investigating Jesus this morning, if you're here, yeah, I want to say to you, just hear that you are. Literally come as you are. Come with your questions, come with your weariness, come with your fears, come with, with your lost sense of lostness, come with your frustration to him. He, believe me, he is big enough for all of those, and he will handle and he has paid for that on the cross. And we're gonna have communion later for that. I want to encourage you. We don't come to Jesus changing everything so that He would accept us. Because He's accepted us, we change. Because we loved, we love. Because He was generous towards us, we are generous towards others. You see how the gospel works? It's because of as freely as we've received, now we give. Not give so that you can be free. No, no, no. We don't buy our freedom because Christ has already paid with his very life, for our freedom. Can you see why it offends Paul so much? He says, Jesus literally paid with his life for your freedom, and then you want to start buying yourself free. What an insult. Can you imagine that? And Paul's getting seriously triggered by these guys. We set free from from having to be our own gods, our own saviors. We also set free from having to be our own gods and having my own destiny and my purpose all figured out. You see, in the gospel, I can trust God, because if I can trust God for my eternal security and my eternity and my life but beyond this earth, in eternity, I should be able to trust God for my life on this earth, right here. And so I don't have to hear what my purpose is in this life. I can trust that God will figure it out, and He has figured it out. I don't have to know what tomorrow holds, because I trust the one who holds tomorrow. And so I don't have to be God. I don't have to have an answer for everything. Uh, one of the things that that I'm nervous of are Christians or Christ followers who have an answer for everything. That you ask them a question, they'll give you the answer. You're going, how do you know? Like, especially about the future or tomorrow. I was standing outside with Gary, I said, two years ago, who knew that we'd be standing outside a church with weird see-through masks on talking to each other or walking around town with masks? Who who would have thought? We did not see that. Do you honestly think that COVID surprised God? That God woke up one morning going, whoa, I better do something because COVID's coming. He saw this coming. Do we, do we believe, are we okay that He has a purpose and that He will work out His purposes despite COVID? We have to believe that. You don't have to. You and I don't have to, and this is where, where some churches, I think, are doing, doing this. We don't have to, as a church, give an answer for why COVID happened and what God's purpose is through it right now. It's okay for the church to say, we don't totally know, but we do know the one who does know, and we're happy to trust him that when it's right, he'll show us the purpose and what it's done. Is that okay? We don't have to have an answer right now. This is not Siri or Google that you type in and go, give me an answer right now, tell me where I'm going to end up. That's not how God works. We get to trust him, and we don't have to be God of our own lives. I'm not God over my own life. I don't know where. I did not know two weeks ago, three weeks ago that I would be in Toti. I'm um, here. Yeah, God knew. It wasn't surprised surprise to him. He didn't, he didn't wake up one morning and go, oh, oh, no, I didn't see it coming. But, hey, now that you're there, you might as well do something. That's not how God works. But we live in a world that we want to know our purpose and our destiny and what is God doing in this. Sometimes we won't see it. Often in things, we're not going to see what God is doing. And just getting circumcised or obeying some religious laws isn't going to give us the answer to it. No, the answer is in Christ, His Son. The answer is in the gospel. Trust God. Trust that God knows what He's doing on this planet through COVID. Because despite COVID, that God's purposes will be fulfilled. We hold on to that. What are we set free for? Now, you know what we set free from. And hopefully some of you are going, oh, that's glorious. I'm so glad you said that. I don't have to keep performing. I don't have to keep jumping through hoops. I, I don't have to be my own God. I don't have to have answers for everything. I can trust God. So what does it look like? What does He set us free for? And Paul is almost saying to the, to the church, almost the opposite of where they're at. He's saying, this is where you should be heading as a church. This is what you should be living like as Christ follows." The first thing He sets us free for is for joyous obedience freedom into the joy of doing what we want to do most for him new affections he's changed our hearts our desires the things that we used to want to 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 do we no longer desire because our desires have changed and it's joyous it's a joyous obedience we do that because our our hearts have been won by his incredible love and we, and we can't but love him what gareth did as a as my friend when he came up and said we can't just sing like this what has happened It's literally saying, my heart has been won. This is not okay anymore. We can't go half measured into worshiping God. We have to go all out to worshiping God because something has happened in his heart. He's not trying to win you and saying, if you worship better, God's going to answer your prayers. If you sing louder, God's going to come closer. If you sing louder, you're going to experience God more. No, no, no. Our hearts have been changed, so we have to respond differently. Our hearts change and we, with joy, come to church. With joy, we obey what our leaders say. With joy, we obey scripture. Because we've been loved so much. It is a joy to, mom and dad, wash the dishes. We go, oh no, it's never a joy to do the dishes. Hey, what's happened there? Do, do the dishes. Like We would call that manipulation, hey Luke? hey, Serious manipulation. Mom, you can't say that. There's a bit of truth in that. See, because we all still the already not yet. we kind of like, hey, give me time, I'll get there. But with Christ, He frees us to joyous obedience to Him. New affections by the Holy Spirit. And joyous obedience, like motivated by love for Him. That nothing you ask of me, Jesus, is too much. Nothing you ask of me is too uh, And not just oh, excuse me, no joy that comes with it. A uh, 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 love to do it. So we are Freed for, and securely loved by Him. Our love and His love for us is secure. We do not believe that God wavers in His love for you and I. We believe that God, once He loves and once He grips, gra- grabs hold of us, He will never, ever let go. Happy-hearted in Jesus, but also we know that God never, ever regrets saving you. God never goes, oh, what have I just done? Oh, now I'm just going to have to hold on because this oak is a is a wreck. No, no, God never, there's no regret in God in ever saving any of His sons and daughters into His family. And a friend of mine's going through some stuff in town um, and we were meant to hook up this week and he said, I can't, I'm just anxious, this is what's going on. And he's a firm believer, he's a strong guy and I messaged him back and I said, hey, I want to remind you that God's grip is a lot stronger than your grip. We are secure, not because we hold on to God, not because we obey God, not because we've jumped through all the hoops and we, our faith is strong. No, we are secure because His grip on us. He says, I will never let you go. And even if you're not a Christ follower and you read Scripture, the one thing that Scripture will leave you with, even if you don't believe in Jesus or God, is you're going to come face to face with a God that never lets go of His people and His children. His grip is irrevocable. He can't take it off us. He holds on to us. We can kick and scream. Have you ever seen a mom? I love watching um, one of my favorite scenes. And um, My kids are all grown up, so I can enjoy this moment. So when you go to um, like a pick and pay or a checkers or a, or a spa, and then the mom has to shop, and there's this dreaded aisle. And just right before the tills, what do they put at the tills? Why do you have to pay? Literally all the sweet and candy is in the aisle when you have to pay. Amen? It's like, it's evil. We need to, we need save people to take charge of these people and he has this poor mom and this two three year old is like seeing just heaven open before this person's eye and sweets and candy everywhere and they start demanding sweets have you seen that and then you have this mom that just holds the hand of the arm and the moms don't just hold the hand I've seen these moms; they're clever their hands big enough to grab yeah and they grab the child like this not even like this just like this And the child is freaking and wants to leap out to candy, but the mom just stands. And the child's freaking and shouting, and the mom's ignoring. She's moving forward, teller number seven's open, and the child's freaking, but the mom's walking. And the child just goes, kicking and screaming, I want candy. And the the rest of the people are going, oh, shame, the poor mom, this poor child. No no one feels for the child because they go, we were there, we know what it's like, we're not embarrassed for you, don't worry. Hold on tight. It's a great picture. It's a great picture for us and God. There are moments where I'm kicking and screaming against God, wanting stuff for my life that I think I'm entitled to, that I deserve, or that a good God would give me. If you love me, Mom, give me my sweets, or give me the stuff I want. And we kick and scream, and we're not happy with his answers. But you know what's going to happen? We're going to get through that aisle. Mom's still going to have his grip, and he's still going to have your, his grip on you. And the other side, you're going to say, I saw my friends at school, all their teeth are falling out because they're eating so many sweets. Thank you, Mom, for not buying every sweet I asked for. Hopefully one day every one of us will get to the other side into heaven going, Father God, thank you for holding on to me when I kicked and screamed and demanded things from you and you didn't give me everything I asked for in prayer. Even prayer. There are some prayers that you do not want God to answer in your life. And despite you not wanting it, no matter how many religious whoops you jump through, he's going to hold on and go, it's fine. You can jump, you can do, you can scream, you can try and embarrass me. I've got you. We'll get through to the other side. Isn't that beautiful? We're free to that. The gospel frees us to go, hey God, even on my worst days. Or you go back into the life that you just ran from. And you stretch your your father's arm. And you're going back to the stuff that really hurt, and caused pain in the past. And he goes, I've got you. We're going to to pull you back. We have to believe that he draws us back and that his grip is secure over us. We securely loved because of the gospel. We don't have to jump through hoops to prove to God that we love him so that he loves us. No, he loves us and then we love him. That's the way this thing works. Pure pleasures. See what happens with the gospel is it frees us to enjoy pleasures on this life in their right order. <laughs> we don't make pleasures and things in this life the ultimate pre- order or height of our joy, where if we don't get it, our whole life falls apart. But the things that God does give to us, we really enjoy and love, because it's in its right order and place, because Christ is the ultimate joy giver. He's the ultimate joy in our lives, because He's, he's got His right place. We are free to enjoy the other, even our plus ones, we can enjoy it as long as the plus one's not in Jesus' place. But as, as soon as our plus one takes the place of Jesus, we're in trouble and we're not enjoying it. And the joy that we get is short-lived and normally comes with a sting in the tail. But when we put Christ first, our plus ones can be an incredible joy and a, and a, and a blessing to us, but it's because it's in the right order. And the gospel does that for us. It places these things in the right order. If we can really enjoy the things that God gives us in the right order. Under his leadership, under his God it Galatians five verse, oh, sorry, one verse verse B. We're going to the second part. Don't worry, I'm not going to go through the whole passage like this, this slowly. For freedom Christ has set us free. And then he says this to them stand firm, therefore. Do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. He's literally saying, Stand firm. If I say to you, if I shout to you across somewhere, stand firm, what am I warning you? What's gonna happen? Something's coming at you, or you could right now get slippery or slide, or you're going to fall. If I shout to, to Prince, if Prince is walking outside and I shout from the front, stand firm, Prince, what am I warning him? Something's coming at you, am I not? I'm saying, ready yourself, something's coming. I love rock and surf fishing, so I don't like fishing in dams, I don't even like deep sea, but I like going and fishing off the rocks, and rock and surf where the waves are like washing against you. And my favorite spot is the trans Now, the trans is renowned. It's called the Wild Coast for a reason because you have waves that come out of nowhere. You can literally be fishing and the sea could be calm and the next minute the, the wave comes at like two, three meters at you and you have to be ready for it. And I was thinking when I read this, I was reminded of that. And as a young boy, my dad used to introduce me to rock and surf fishing. And he taught me three things. And these are three things that we all can take away for for standing firm in the gospel. He said, honor, always stand firmly. Find the proper, make sure you're standing on rock and not slippery rock. Make sure that your footing is solid and in a good place. So stand firm on some solid rock. Secondly, honor, never ever turn your back on the sea. When you go to the coast, don't turn your back on the waves. Always face the waves because you want to see what's coming at you. And thirdly... If it's possible when you're fishing, especially in rough sea and big seas and the rocks, and you're on the the edge of the rocks, always fish with a a big hole or a gully behind you. So that should the wave knock you off, you're falling into a pool of water and not into rocks behind you. Anybody, that's just free. You can have it if you're a fisherman. How does that apply to us standing firmly in the gospel? Number one, in Corinthians, Paul speaks about... Um, he says, by this you were saved, the gospel. In this you will stand. Paul is saying, find your feet in the gospel. From Revelation to Genesis, to Genesis to Revelation, there is a there is a consistent, rem- feet, feet solidly in the gospel. Number one, we build our lives on the gospel truth, both feet planted on the gospel. Everything that we've just spoken about, free from, free, free for, that is the gospel of Christ. This meal is what we stand on. We live on this meal. We live on the gospel. We place both our feet, not one feet here and one foot here. No, no. Both feet ready. We're standing. This is what I'm going to build my life on. I want to challenge you as a Christ follower this morning. Plant both your feet on the gospel. If you don't know Jesus and you're in church because a friend brought you and you're checking out church, I'm going to say to you, I'm trusting this morning that when we break bread, you are going to come face to face. With a Savior and a Lord and a God that loves you like no one and nothing on this earth can love you, that will free you like nothing on this planet can free you, will give you a future and a life full of joy in purity, not free from pain, because we're not in heaven yet, but I'm trusting that you're going to see this incredible love of God. But we get to choose, as Christ follows, whether we stand firmly on that truth. Or we forget that truth and we we place our feet on other stuff like our works, like our religion, like following rules, trying to prove to God that we are still there. Secondly, we keep our eyes on the gospel. We keep our eyes on the cross. We keep our eyes on Christ. Don't forget to turn your back and don't turn your back on the cross. We as a church during lockdown, when we started coming back in October last year and then our shut down now we're back, we made a decision that we're going to end every gathering with communion. We're going to make sure that every preach that we preach leads towards the gospel. Because if there's a season in the life of even believers where our eyes are off God and what He set us free from and for, it's now. And our job is to keep our people and our folk eyes on on the gospel, on the communion. So we've deliberately, now every Sunday we, we land with communion to keep remembering our people why and who they are, but who loves them and how much He loves and is for them. And then lastly, there's a deep gully of grace behind you. I don't know of one Christ follower that has lived the perfect life before Jesus. We have all messed up. We've all put placed our feet on some slippery rock or some kelp, or we thought it was solid, but it wasn't. We've all taken our eyes off the waves coming at us and go, hey, let's just we got distracted with something else and then the waves of this world hits us. We've all fallen. We've all needed a gully behind us to soften the fall. And there is a gully of grace. There's a pool of grace waiting to catch us as Christ follows. There's some, there is a, a grace for us when we go through that. we we'll skip forward to verse 6 if we continue through the text. It's amazing how Paul builds this and he says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. None of the rules and laws matter at all to Jesus. That's quite a radical statement to these people. But only faith working through love. Faith working through love. That I've been loved by Him. Now I can trust Him. Now I trust Him. Faith working through love. What is the value? What is, for what is faith working through love? It's how do we know what our real motives are? Why are you in church this morning? Would be a good question. Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever thought, why am I going to church? Why am I serving in church? Why am I going, why am I attending this? Have you, have you ever answered just the very basic question of like a Sunday morning? Why are you here? Are you here 100% motivated by love for Christ and because of faith in Him? And you're going, I want to be here because I love Jesus. Or is there something in us somewhere that if I don't go, is God still going to be okay with me? If I don't go, is He going to be angry with me? If I don't go, is He going to answer my prayers? That is rife in our country. This thing of, if I do this, God will answer. If I, if I pray for so long, God will answer. If I worship for so long, God will answer. If I give money, God will answer. You see what's happening? We're bartering with God. It's rife in our country. In our society, we it's almost everywhere. It's like just the norm. If you do this, God will do that. Where the gospel is completely the opposite of that. It says, for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. He was so excited about having you and adopting you into his extended family that he was prepared to endure the cross and that death just so that he could have fellowship with you. That's it. Now why would we want to try and prove anything else to him? Why would we not just enjoy his presence and who he is? How do we know what our motives are? We don't use our freedom and our our grace. So every time you preach grace, there's a in most pastors' honor, oh, don't talk about that too much because maybe they won't be here next Sunday. <laughs> you see, the the thing with the danger with grace is that it comes with a freedom, and it says, "No, no, no, obey because of your heart's been changed. Don't obey because it's a it's a rule." We worship because when Gareth was saying, "Let's worship," he wasn't saying worship because you have to. Worship because if you don't, God's not going to be happy with you. Or you better get your worship pumping because if you don't, God, there's not enough faith for God to answer your prayers. I've seen that happen. No, he's saying, if your heart has been won by Christ, let's not hold back. If your heart's been won by Jesus, why are we holding back here? Let's show him. Let's sing. Let's encourage our brothers and sisters in how we worship. How do we respond when we see other people failing or compete or doing well? Is there something in your heart when people do really well, you go, oh, uh, you know, you find fault with it. Or is there something in your heart when people fail, you go, ah, at least it's not me. (laughs) I'm I'm not like that. I don't fail like that. Galatians 5 verse 9, if we move forward a bit. Leaven spreads. Legalism in any church in every heart spreads. Religion spreads. It impacts every part of your life. Once you start going in a direction with rules and regulations and laws that, that appease God to win His favor, it will infiltrate every aspect of your faith, every aspect of your walk with God, and every aspect of your relationship with your fellow human being. We, we have to, in Paul's words, in Shrek's words, or Donkey's words, stay away from the law as the motivator in our lives, as a qualifier in our lives towards Christ. Don't go back into that being slaves to the rules and laws. Don't go back to, to trying to win God's favor by wholly by living in hypocrisy and, and, and move away from your freedom. If you add anything to Jesus, you lose all of Jesus. If you add anything to this faith, to the cross, you lose all of the cross. That's a radical statement. And Paul is saying this. If you add, if you dare add, Anything that you have to do to qualify yourself for, for salvation or to get saved this morning, if you add anything to that that um, what is the word i 'm looking for um, that um, sorry um, formula if there 's a formula in your life and, and the cross is part of it, and not all of it you we 're in trouble, and you lose the whole thing the equation 's wrong we don 't end up with Jesus, we end up with our stuff, and we continue to live in insecurity before God. We continue to live lost and saying, I don't, I'm not sure that God loves me. We continue to be driven by motives that aren't love and are not coming from freedom. This is a radical passage. Paul is contending for a church and he's saying, Church, stay firmly rooted in the gospel. Do not give in to anything other than Christ and what He's done for you. We're going to land this morning with, with communion I, mean, I think this is so radically appropriate that we do that, especially on the back of this. And as I'm going to ask, I'm going to, Kina's is going to play for us. I'm going to encourage you. Won't you just grab a, a biscuit, I think it's a it looks like a, a biscuit um, and a cup. Won't you just hold on to it? And then I'd like to read a, some more for you. And then we're going to we're going to pray together. So won't I don't know families can grab or it's moved. You may stand up in church and move around. Thank you. You may remain standing if you wish. We're going I'm just going to read the lyrics of a powerful song to us and then call us to respond to the gospel freshly in our own lives. so easy to there are a few folk when I was preparing I thought it applies to each one of us but it's so easy for us to, to read a passage like this and go those were the Pharisees that's not me <laughs> it's so easy to discount this and go that was them I'm not I'm nothing like that and I don't know you because of what Christ has done in my heart, I've got a massive desire for you and every one of us in this room to be free from that religious Pharisee in our hearts. And Scripture says to us, and experience in life tells us that even mature Christ followers lose their footing, take their eyes off the gospel, place their eyes on their own well-being, their own works, their own standards, their own or others' <laughs> Even well-meaning, good, strong Christians take their eyes off the gospel and start adding stuff to Jesus and to what He's done. Even well-meaning, mature Christians find themselves insecure going, does God hear me? Does He love me? Has He still got His arm? Is His grip still on me? And what we're holding in our hands is is the answer to every one of those questions. If you're not a Christ follower in church this morning... and you're investigating Jesus, I can't do better than to show you this and say, this is how much God loves you. And the and the power of Scripture says that before you even loved God, He loved you. There's a strong possibility if you don't know Jesus and you're in this room, that you, yeah, because God has already woed you, or wooed you, or, or won you. He's busy winning you towards. He's saying, hey, I've got you. Come, come hear about me. Come hear about how... I love you and what I've done and how much I am for you. I'm trusting that you hear that this morning. I uh, trust that you hear that we are not calling you to religious works. We're not even calling you to be holy and live holy so that you could be accepted in our community or before God. No, we're not. We're saying, come as you are. Come. I want to say to you, if you're a Christian or Christ follower, hypocrites are welcome. (laughs) Hypocrites are welcome. Come to Jesus with your hypocrisy come with him with your duplicity and go Jesus I'm living two lives in this area help me, it's, it's okay you're not the first Christian that lived two lives before Jesus asking him for forgiveness and for to be secure in him I'm going to read the words of a song by um, Dustin Kensru. It's, it's called It Is Finished, It Is Done Paul would have written and taken a red cokey in our days and said do not add anything more to this gospel, it is done it is finished, listen to how he puts it There is no deed that can redeem us. There is no rite or ritual, no magic word. Only by the work of Jesus can salvation be secured. Only because of what Christ did on the cross can we be secure in our salvation. It is finished. He has done it. Not me. He has done it. Let your weary heart rejoice. Our redemption is accomplished. Raise a shout with ragged voice. And go bravely into battle, knowing he has won the war, it is finished. Lift your head and weep no more. No there is no sacrifice to offer. It has been done. There is no penance to complete, no price to pay. He paid it. Freely drink the living water. Without money come and feast. Let every sinner rejoice. Hear the dying victory's cry. Raise up your voice. Sing it out through earth and sky. It is finished. We have nothing to pay back. He has paid it all. He has loved with everything He has. And we, our job is to receive that, to plant our feet in that love, to keep our eyes on Him and what He has done for us. And accept that there's grace for us when we stumble and when we fall. And that His grip on you in your life no matter what is going on in your life another picture of the grip of father god that, that i had was when we were small and our kids could hardly walk but they loved the beach in the eastern cape and we would take him into the waves and i would have chloe's by her hand my my youngest and chloe would hardly walk but she'd love the waves and she couldn't even keep her own balance and the waves would smash her and i'd hold her and she would jump and she would scream out of joy No matter what was coming her way, she knew, my dad's got me. And she was able to actually enjoy the waves eating her, which would petrify her if she got knocked over. But she knew that God's got me and he's going to hold me. And COVID has come in many, many waves into our lives. And we can't not mention it when we preach these days. Because it's exposed in us a fear and anxiety and saying, "Is God's still got us. (laughs) If he was prepared to send his son to a cross to show his commitment to us let us not forget that let's not take our eyes off Jesus and his love for us I'm going to pray and we're going to eat and drink together Jesus thank you that your body was broken for me so that I could be restored to you thank you that that my pride and my sin my ego my self-righteousness kept me from God but you you, you died and you allowed your body to be broken so that my relationship with God could be restored I could be called a son and daughter of God. That God could place his hands upon me and hold me and that his grip would never never, ever waver. Jesus, thank you for your blood that you shed. Thank you that you paid the price that I would never in a million years be able to pay. Thank you that this cup represents the end, the the finished season. It is done. I have nothing to pay back. I have nothing to, to strive towards other than I love you and I accept and I enjoy this incredible gift that you've given to us. If you do not know Jesus this morning and you are amongst us and you're going, I can see this. I can, my eyes have opened. I can, I can see how much God loves me. I can see that he has paid the price and that He's restoring me to him your only response is to accept that and say thank you. Say, Lord, I, I receive your gift of life. I, I receive your forgiveness. I, I stop striving. I stop trying to prove myself to you. I found you because you found me. You work towards me, Jesus. Won't you just, where you are quietly, if if that's you this morning, won't you just just thank him? Just accept this amazing gift. And Christ I accept that you pay the price for me, that you dealt with all my sin, that you invite me into a loving relationship, free of religion and rules and law, but free to love you. Lord, we eat and we rejoice. We eat the finishing meal. This is done. It is finished for us. We celebrate this in Jesus' name. Let's eat and let us drink together as God's sons and daughters. Amen. one more time. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all what you have done for us to, to set us free so that we can live in this freedom. You paid it all. Lord Jesus, and we thank you that this, this morning we just receive it by faith and we want to enjoy this freedom that you, you bought for us with your precious blood. Thank you for reminding us by breaking this bread and drinking this juice that your body that was broken for us and the blood that was poured for us so that we can receive this freedom this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Amen. Amen.